Sportsnet today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, the fan, Calgary. Pat Steinberg's vacation continues. It is Peter Klein from Daily Hive, Game Over Calgary, and Couch Potato Diary, along with Aaron Vickers from Daily Hive and NHL.com as we have reached the sports drive at five here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to hand out some grades. We came up with this idea because we thought we'd have, well, I mean, for me, three days to, to kind of let's fill some time, talk about the Flames, and then Bo Horvat got traded yesterday. So we are combining forwards and defensemen into uh, to one lovely segment today. Um, if you were to give a grade to the overall Calgary Flames squad, where would that, uh, where would that one sit? I, I thought I, I thought I made right it clear that I was only going to pick on individuals, not a collective group. <laughs> Peter Klein. That's fair. Yeah. Um, when you're outside of the playoff picture, looking in at the All Star break, I don't know how you could get anything greater than an incomplete. That is not a letter grade. That is such a hedge, a complete cop out. <laughs> but the fact of the matter remains: the Calgary Flames at 57 points, tied with the Colorado Avalanche for the second wild card into the playoffs. From the Western Conference. However, one is the defending Stanley Cup champions, so they get a little tick. Yeah. Two, they played two fewer games, so their points percentage is actually, I don't want to say considerably higher, but it's 0.24, well, 0.024 points, which in the grand scheme of things is pretty decent. All they need to do is get a tie in two games. I think the Colorado Avalanche are capable of doing that if it came down to securing the final berth into the playoffs. So I'm going to do a nice flaming C. Nice for the Calgary Flames to this point in the season. Fifty games in. Yeah, I was going to go with a, a C as well. Like some things plus have gone minus well. or just, just C, just a C, just a, a regular flat old C. Um, that's that's kind of where I'm at. And for like same reasons, like this is a team that had expectations of being in the playoffs. And if the playoffs started today, a it would be wildly unfair because everyone's played different amount of games. But b the Flames would not necessarily be in the postseason. So more hard hitting grades like that coming up as we go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team visit your local calgary co-op wine spirits and beer today um first of all we finally have our first negative toward me text on the text line it's been two days but now that someone has called me a scrub on the text line i feel at home i'm ready to go all this all these niceties has been too much for me um so. are we sure that's not pat texting in <laughs> i don't know what the roaming charges are from down south right but Certainly worth it, worth it for the one. He's a couple pops in and he's getting a little insecure that Peter Klein is <laughs> hoisting, keeping the seat warm. Yeah. For Pat Steinberg. And you know what? That would be the upset of the season for me, not to disparage you. No. However, Pat, have yeah. one on me and put 10 on black. Right. Uh, but knowing his luck, he'll lose that. But uh, yes, no, Pat is on vacation. This is more uh, emergency call-up injury replacement than uh, than it is any kind of trade, uh, as someone was saying on the text line. But yes, I'm I, I'm here for a limited time only. Anyway, Calgary Flames. Let's start with the forward group. Um, I'm just going to go in my brain from uh, top line and work the way down. Okay. So let us start with uh, one Dylan Dubé. Um, I, I will go first. I will give him... A, I really should have thought of these beforehand. Uh, I will give him a B minus. I feel like he has fit in pretty well um, in a top six role. There are far too many times where I don't notice him, but when I do notice him, he is quite good. I feel like he has kind of taken a step. I gather from your um, uh, concerned look that you maybe have the same thing. 
I, I was, and now I'm going to pivot, and I'm going to go C+, plus because he is okay. playing top-line minutes, although, in all fairness, the Calgary Flames and Daryl Sutter have it structured where the top three lines generally play the same amount of time, five-on-five. Five. Dylan Dubé does get some PK time. He does get some PP time, but he's still... Fact remains, he's got 27 points, 12 goals, 15 assists, and 15, 50 games this season. You're right. I was going to say B minus, and I don't want to be the same on every grade, especially if <laughs> I'm, I'm not about to follow in Peter Klein's footsteps. I, no matter what grade you toss out, I refuse to match it. And I wanted to go down to a C, mostly because of this text that came through on the text line at 96960. C's get degrees <laughs> still a passing grade yeah just would like to see a little more offense we've seen it in spurts throughout the season if anything i might bump him up to that b minus like you said as daryl sutter mentioned earlier this season he has been the calgary flames most improved player so for that alone i think he had a most improved like participation ribbon or something that goes along with yeah. it so you know what long way around i just wanted to say c's get degrees i thought it sounded really <laughs> cool Put me down for a B plus on Dylan Dubé. Participation ribbons were the only ones I got in uh, in athletics. So I got a lot of most improved. Got to set that bar low. Uh, moving on, it is Elias Lindholm, the number one center for the Calgary Flames. I will let you go first this time so you don't just have to counter off of what I say every time. I'm going to give him a B plus. I don't know if I have a lot of A's to toss out at this point. Again, if you're a team that is outside of the playoffs looking in at this juncture of the season, not a lot of things have necessarily gone your way, especially when you consider the expectation in the offseason. Maybe misplaced expectation at this point. But for me, the Calgary Flames as, as a whole have underperformed to this point. I don't think that the Calgary Flames, where they stand today, are the team that they should be or the team that they will be the rest of the way. But having said that, it's hard to toss out any A grades. But for me, I'll give Elias Lindholm a solid B. He leads the team in scoring with 45 goals. He's got 15 or 45 points. Pardon me. He's got 15 goals, which is third on the team. He was a Selkie nominee last year for a reason. Not a lot has changed for me in terms of what you see nightly, day in, day out, out of Elias Lindholm. I would probably rank him right up. There's going to be a couple guys that get a B plus. He's going to be one of them. He's been one of their best players for my money. Uh, so I'm going to be the one who copies you on this one. I, I, I'm with you B plus as well. So I, I, I don't great radio Kleiner. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you know what? Lindholm has sucked this year. Fail F no, he he's been great. And there have been some stretches where he is the, the flames best player. But uh, one of the things I, I have been saying is that this team is just dying for someone to just be like, Hey, hop on my back. Let's go. Yeah. And I think Lindholm has, all of the talent to kind of be that dude, but we haven't really seen a, this guy is taking over type of a, a stretch from Lindholm at, by, by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, a solid B plus is where he's going to be at. Uh, up next is Tyler Toffoli. I am going to give him a B. Uh, he is probably about six posts away from getting into the B plus world as he just seems to have a laser pointer right to the post, but he, he's someone who, has played the role of Tyler Toffoli well, but I don't know if he's elevated a whole lot this season. Uh, I think he's just kind of been... I don't want to say he's just been there, but there, there hasn't been a whole lot of, oh my God, did you see Toffoli? I, I think it, uh, he's been a solid B player for the Flames. See, I'm already starting to waffle on my no A's thing because if... I'm not saying Tyler Toffoli has been their best player to this point, but relative to expectation and where you think Tyler Toffoli should have been in August versus where he is now... It's hard to fault him on really anything. He's got 18 goals. He's on pace for 30 goals. He's probably on pace for somewhere around 70 points. 
If you're acquiring Tyler Toffoli last Valentine's Day for the run last season into the playoffs and for this season because he had term remaining on his contract, how, how can you give him anything but less? Maybe I'll hedge and go A- minus because he's given you exactly everything that you've asked of him in whatever role you've put him in. He's playing on the right side on the top line, so a lot of, play, a lot of fans will be like, oh, well, he, he needs to score more on the top line. You mentioned it. He's six posts away from having 24 goals and on base for 35, if you will. Yeah. I just don't know what you can necessarily slight Tyler Toffoli for because he's come absolutely as advertised. That's fair. Uh, maybe I'm being a bit too hard on him because I, I just I feel like there there is still maybe another like half level I would like to see kind of from him. Well, and know? I'm also half pivoting my grading scale one and a half <laughs> players in because now I'm going relative to expectation. Like, how mean is it for me to go Tyler to full year B when literally you've done everything asked of you? You performed to the level your entire of your entire career. Perennial thirty ish goal guy. He's going to be a thirty goal guy this year. I mean. I, I don't know where I can put the strike against him to not at least bump him into an A. And Elias Lindholm, is there a B plus plus I can put you back to? Because now I just feel bad. <laughs> uh, a golden B plus. Um, then the next one, speaking of grading on a curve, is Milan Lucic. Um, I, I think if you were looking at Milan Lucic in comparison to what a Nazem Kadri would provide, it would be a little bit disappointing. Um, I, I for for Lucic, I am going to go with a, a solid C for Lucic. I think that he has done everything you would want him to do. It is not his fault that he has been put in roles that I, I don't believe he is quite right for anymore. Uh, but I think in playing the role of Milan Lucic, he has done a fine job this season. Well, and I wonder what the tone would be if he made $2 million and not yes, 5, 5.85 or whatever he's yeah. at with the Oilers retaining X number of dollars. I'm, I'm like you. For me, he's been fine. I don't know if I necessarily see him as a long-term fit on the second line. I think we saw in the brief glimpse of Jacob Peltier taking over that second line wing spot with Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto. We saw a different dimension out of that group. I think a little bit more offensively dynamic between that trio. Milan Lucic isn't of that mold, but he's still a very useful player on the ice. He's still a very useful player in that locker room. There's a lot that Milan Lucic gives to this group, whether it be just by sheer presence, whether that be on the ice or off the ice. So I'm going to side with you. I'm going to align my grade, and it turns out this is just going to be a collective <laughs> Peter Klein, Aaron Vickers collaboration on let's just settle on a grade and go from there. Yeah, there you go. Um, for the, the next one is Jonathan Huberto. I, I'm just going to... Uh, in, instead of, again, making you kind of uh, follow mine, I, I will allow you to have the floor on Huberto. This is really going to be a case for me, and this is, again, take it for what you will. I'm going incomplete. I don't think he's... He has not given the professor all of his assignments yet to date, so it's dif right. difficult to grade him. He had a big adjustment coming in from Florida in the offseason, and it's one that I think probably took longer than even he would have liked or even he would have thought coming in. But it's not a Nazem Kadri situation where Kadri had moved around before. He kind of knew what to expect. Also coming off the high of a Stanley Cup victory. This was a complete 1-8. I don't know if you could find two different places in the NHL more differing from each other than the beaches of Florida and the mountains-ish of Calgary and the temperature and the climate and the having to sell off the Lamborghinis and get a Ford F-150 and just basically turn his life around. 10, 10 goals? 33 points in 47 games after putting up 115 in Florida the year before. Career high, yes. Was, was that going to be what he was when he came to Calgary? He's not going to be a 115-point player in Calgary or under Daryl Sutter's system. 
but there's still more to give. So it might be a cop out. You can call me out on the text line at 960-960 for it. But I'm going incomplete on Jonathan Huberto at this point. There's still some things left yeah. to be seen with him before you can give him an accurate grade, I feel. Uh, I'm going to go C-plus on Huberto. I do think that by the time the year ends, that will probably be in the B to B-plus category. Like, I think all, all of what you said is accurate. I think he is getting more comfortable. He's reacting more than, like, you could watch him think out there to start the season. I think he's reacting a little bit more. Nazem Kadri is one who does get one of the A's from me. Um, I, I think that he has kind of provided... Almost everything that the Flames would have wanted, he's going to the All-Star game, representing the the Calgary Flames this season. Could there be maybe a touch more from him? Perhaps. But I think that he has he is someone who has given me everything I could have expected from him so far this year. Yeah, I'll give him a B plus. I mean, he leads your team in goals with 19. Like you said, he was the recipient of the Calgary nomination, if you will, for the All-Star mm-hmm. game in Florida. And it's not something that was just handed to him. Like, he's... He's added a lot to this group, both on and off the ice. And with him, I think the Calgary Flames are one of, if it's going to sound crazy, because you go 300 kilometers up north, and depending on what the Edmonton Oilers look like on any given day, you can slot McDavid, Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins as your one, two, three. It's not quite to that level of, oh my God, in Calgary. But in a seven-game playoff series, if you're looking down the barrel and you see Elias Lindholm, Nazem Kadri, Michael Backlund, there's not too many fun nights to be had when no. you're going up against those three. No, when, when you can have one of those three guys out there for 50 minutes of a 60-minute hockey game, you feel pretty comfortable about where you are at. Giving out uh, Flames report cards here on Sportsnet today with Peter Klein and Aaron Vickers from Daily Hive as we continue in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, worried about radon? We install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate uh we are going to have to pick up the pace a little bit admittedly i don't have a lot of thoughts on some of these guys so that will help uh but up next it is andrew manjapani which way do you go with uh the fan favorite i would go c plus he's not scoring at the 35 goal pace he had last year he hasn't filled the back of the net to me getting back with michael backland and blake coleman to reunite that trio has really started to ignite him a little bit 10 goals in 50 games isn't where you want him to be 26 points in 50 games isn't where you want him to be but among advanced analytics and you're looking at things like expected goals and Corsi 4 and expected goals 4, that trio, I'm going to blanket them all trio. Let's put them all together because if that line stays together, they're getting an A from me. They've been Calgary's best line yeah. through and through since being reunited. A lot of that's going to fall on Michael Backlund because I think he's been relative to expectation, one of, if not Calgary's best player so far this season. For the sake of hurrying up and for the sake of getting through this, i got to give Andrew Mangiapane, um what I gave him there with the C, but collectively in, over the course of the last 15-ish games being reunited with that line, there have been so many things that that trio has done correctly, except yeah. score more frequently. They've outchanced their opponents galore. It's been insane how much you know their expected goals and you know Corsi 4, if you buy into certain things, the shot metrics like that, that line has been absolutely elite, not just on the Calgary Flames, but throughout the NHL. No, I, I would agree with that. Um, I kind of agree with everything you say there. C plus is mine for Mange. Um, and then like Backlund. I'm, Backlund's an A, right? Yeah, like, Backlund. cannot be. I, I have flirted with an A plus. Like, I, I don't Ooh. know. Uh, aside from score a ton, which has never really been his bag. 
I, I don't know what else, again, if we are grading on what we expect these guys to do, he has been everything you would want and then some. He's been worth his weight in gold to the Flames. Anytime you look at someone who has been struggling, they go to that line and they figure it out. Lewis was on that line to start and they were great. And Lewis has kind of disappeared since he left that line. Huberto was struggling. They put Huberto on that line for a hot minute and that's kind of when things started to get a bit more comfortable for him. Manjapani was having some issues. He goes to that line. He has turned it around. The the common denominator of all of that has been Michael Backlund. He has been everything you would want from a Flames perspective. So yeah, he he's he has been A to A plus for me. And then let's just bounce straight into the conversation of Blake Coleman. Where does he fall for you? He has been uh, a B. Like he uh, I, he he's starting to come around a little bit more. There have been some times where you, you wish there was just a little bit more for him. And that is in part because of the price tag that comes with him. But he has been a part of that line that's been so consistent all year. So I'm going to go with a, a B for Coleman. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's going to be one of those guys that, you know, in theory, you want him to be 20, 20 for 40 points, 82 games touches the penalty kill, but it's really being able to roll out line after line with the Calgary Flames and what he's able to add to that combination with Andrew Mangiapane and Michael Backlund. That line, again, you got to keep that line together. No line in the NHL has a higher goals, expected goals for percentage than the combination of Mangiapane, Backlund, and Coleman. And Coleman is a big part of that line, a big part of the chemistry that that group has been able to assemble. And they're going to be a nightmare. They're... And, they're doing that while matched up against the McDavid's. Yeah. While matched up against the McKinnons. While matched up against anybody that another team throws at them. Whoever the best line is, that's the line Backlund's typically going to see throughout the course of a 60-minute game, particularly a five-on-five. So with that, Blake Coleman plays a very key role. That's going to be a tough line to play against. Should the Calgary Flames get to the playoffs again? They're on the outside looking in at this juncture. But for me, Blake Coleman, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that B. Um, the, the last one that I, I think we'll do with the forward position, there have been some younger players who've kind of been in and out, uh, but Lewis has been a bit more consistent in that spot. Um, for Trevor Lewis, I'm going to go with a C minus. I think the only time that he has had a whole lot to do about things going positively with the flames is when he was with the, the, the backland line. I think after that, like he hasn't been overly offensive out on the ice, but I, I kind of wished there were some young players in his spot instead. Um, so I, I just I haven't been blown away. It's C minus for me for Trevor Lewis. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. got a conversation. <laughs> I guess if I'm grading relative to expectation, I don't know how Trevor Lewis is in an A. He's oh. on. Yeah, he's on. He has eight goals in fifty games. He's going to end up somewhere around fifteen ish for a fourth line player who is. I don't want to say integral to your penalty kill, but he plays a big role on special teams when it comes to killing penalties. His bar in terms of like going into the season, if I told you Trevor Lewis was going to net 15, what would right. your reaction yeah, be? Yeah, I would be blown away for sure. So for me, based on expectation, based on the fact that he touches uh penalty kill the way he does, the way he's done it in limited minutes, typically in a fourth line role, I don't know how he's anything but an A. I just feel like, uh, aside from the the penalty killing role, I feel like anything that he has done positively was with the the Backlund and Coleman line before. And even then, I felt like sometimes they 
kind of looked like in the offensive zone, they were playing with one hand tied behind their back. And again, that's not Lewis's game to, to be grading him against the 30 goal scores would be unfair. I just feel like since he has been moved away from that line, there hasn't been a whole lot going on with him. Um, the, the eight goals is certainly above expectations and already um, flirting with career highs, but I I just I, I haven't seen it as much with him, I guess. I, I feel like a lot of the impact he has had has been because of others more than what he has done. Well, you put an asterisk next to your grade and we're going to have to have it out off air. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I, I'm not going to have one for the, the kids because we haven't seen enough sample of them. size. In the limited sample size, I'll run through quickly. I, okay. I don't know if I'll necessarily give grades, but I've liked what Walker Dewar's added to the fourth line in terms yeah. of his speed, in terms of his straight line approach where puck's going into the corner, he's going to retrieve the puck. Jacob Peltier, I know it's been a very, very short audition, but I've really liked what I've seen out of him, particularly when he's been elevated, and there's a reason he was elevated. Daryl Sutter does not typically give 21-year-olds an increase of ice time without showing anything. It's always earned, never given to steal the old Bob Hartleyism. Oh, wow, that was a minute ago. That was just a minute <laughs> ago. But there's a reason you go from seven minutes, eight minutes to 15 minutes and elevated from the fourth line to riding shotgun with uh, Jonathan Huberto with Nazem Kadri. I think that he's earned a, again, not tossing out grades, but he's definitely shown in his very, very limited time that he can hang at this level. Yeah, like the uh, Dewar-Ruzichka-Peltier trio uh, I guess even throws a Horna in there. Like I, I haven't not liked anything I've seen from uh, from any of them. We are right up against it for uh, timing here. I think maybe we move defensemen to tomorrow. Oh, we're pretty full tomorrow. We'll Production figure it out. on the air. We'll figure um, it out. But yeah, we'll, we will move defensemen to uh, to tomorrow. Tell you what, program defensemen so. C plus collectively. Oh, I'm cool with that. All that right, works perfect. for me. Yeah, there C plus. Great. Figured it out. Hit the text um, line at 960-960 and give yeah. us your individual grades for defensemen. We'll read them real quick and be yeah. out. No. Yeah, no. Uh, Stone and Tanev completely even the whole way through. Uh, that a quote. Put that up on socials from Aaron Vickers. Um, Tanev and Stone, the exact same. But no, I, I think as a collective, I am fine with that. Those were your Calgary Flames report cards. And that was Inside Hockey for Calgary Co-op. Callan Gary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians. And you will only find them at Calgary Co-op. The Super Bowl is one of the grand gambling events of the year, and it is uh, just mere days away. It's more than just a couple of days away, but that just gives us time to prepare. And a big part of our preparation is up next as Jason Logan from Covers.com hops on, helps us with some props. You heard our best bet segment. We need a lot of help. Jason is going to help us when we come back here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Back to Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Peter Klein from Daily Hive and Aaron Vickers from Daily Hive back with you as we continue with Sportsnet today. I forgot the name. It's right there. It is Sportsnet sports. Today. We are doing sports. Sportsnet today. Uh, but this is also the Sports Drive at 5 uh, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Unlock your home with the touch of your phone. Upgrade to smart locks online at Calgary Lock and Safe. Dot com. Time to add a bit of professionalism to the program, as uh, clearly the hosts don't have it. So Jason Logan from Covers.com is here to save us all. Jason, how are you today? Good. You're setting the bar high with this professionalism nonsense. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, that's, um, it's, it's all we do here. Just nothing but high-quality stuff. Um, 
we got some quality over the weekend, awkward transitions, as we look at what we got from the, the, the NFL. Before we get ready for uh, the, the Super Bowl matchup, the, the, the Andy Reid Bowl, the Battle of the Kelseys, what did you mm-hmm. see from the, the AFC and NFC Championship game on uh, Sunday afternoon and evening? Um, one thing that's kind of jumping out at me is, is Kansas City somewhat, at least in the betting markets, and in that initial kind of knee-jerk reaction of, of action coming out of Philadelphia, I don't think Kansas City is getting enough credit, and a lot of people are pointing to the referees and all the things that happened in Arrowhead. But like, I don't think Kansas City is getting enough credit for beating what was a very, very, very good Bengals team, a team that had beat them in three straight games, a team that was on a, what, a 10-game winning streak, hadn't lost since Halloween, uh, was playing some of the best two-way football out there, too. And towards the end of the season, Joe Burrow looked like the best player in the NFL. That defense, uh, Lou Amaretto's defense, was humming. Uh, the, considering the skilled players that he had around him, Cincinnati, to me, entering the playoffs was the best team uh, at that moment. And Kansas City went and, uh, or sorry, Cincinnati was the best team at that moment. And Kansas City went out and, and beat them. So um, I, I definitely think we need to, to put that a feather in the cap. And what we saw from Philadelphia, you can't kind of downgrade Philadelphia, but you can't kind of upgrade Philadelphia. I mean, they they beat uh, what a noodle armed Brock Purdy and and uh, Josh Johnson, who was just giving the ball away and, uh, and then ran over the giants and uh, haven't really been tested. Haven't faced a QB like Mahomes in a long time either. So that's the part that I, I keep running into when trying to, to figure out where I want to go on this game is that mm-hmm. like, I just, I've seen Philadelphia play one real quarterback this year and Dak Prescott, basically um, like mm-hmm. they're just there. It has been a bit of an easy schedule. I compared it yesterday on our show to like an uh, ACC champion going into the, the college football playoff where it's like, yeah, like the, the numbers look good, but you, you've done it against the, the gym teachers of America coming up here. Like, I just I don't know. I don't know what this Philadelphia Eagles team is when they have to play someone who is even good, you know? Well, I mean, to Philadelphia's defense here. For the most part of the year, they were not just beating teams, but thumping teams and covering spreads, which is kind of gives you the idea of, you know, they were playing above the odds makers' expectations towards the end of the year. Things, you know, can are tough to continue that success, and of course, the hurt injury played into that as well too. Um, and we did get to see some of the soft spots on this defense, primarily their their rushing rushing defense, the run stop defense, get a little exposed. But uh, tough tough to downgrade the Eagles, considering just how how bad they some teams that is true they, they've treated bad teams like bad teams this season that that is absolutely something that they have done um one of the things that I, I always like talking with you about is the kind of some of the the finer points of the the gambling markets and uh, i think with this one specifically when looking at when to to kind of enter this market it's it's two weeks to the super bowl this thing is going to be analyzed to death uh, we are are going to get into more of that as, as we go along. Like th- this is a, a game that everyone is going to have two weeks to kind of prepare for. Um, is, is there kind of a, a a perfect time you think to to enter this market, getting ready for this particular matchup? Yeah, I definitely think at least in terms of the spread, it depends on who you like in this game. And and Kansas City and Philadelphia are two very capable sides. So whether you're on either side, you're getting a good team. We know that. Um, so I do a, an article, it's called Bet Now, Bet Later, it comes out on Sunday nights when the odds release. And I put out the article just after the odds had released, and we saw this market move from Philadelphia. Some places opened Kansas City as big as minus one and a half, and then we saw the whole betting industry kind of shift towards the Eagles with early play on them. And they got as big as minus two and a half. And at that time, during the market move, I said, hey, don't chase the steam on this right now wait because you're going to see kansas kansas city money show up don't take the eagles minus two and a half or minus two right now wait because 
if you looked at the look-ahead spreads before Championship Sunday, places had Kansas City minus one in this projected matchup. And then, like I said, a few books had Kansas City minus one and a half were very high on the Chiefs as well, too. And I expected uh, some of that to be a close game with Cincinnati, Mahomes being dinged up, and then the trio of receivers, and you guys got like Sneed and, and Willie Gay banged up for the defense. And those are key injuries that you have to keep an eye on this week, but there's two weeks for those guys to get healthy and to get right. And uh, that's a lot of time. So if you do like Kansas City, the line is moving back now. I bet, I bet Kansas City plus two this morning. You can still get Kansas City one and a half right now, plus one and a half, which is good because you are on the key number of one. Uh, key numbers in football being your one, three, six, seven, ten, uh, et cetera. Uh, if you like the Eagles, however, wait it out because I think we are going to see this line come back. It has to, uh, this afternoon. It, it got back to one. I think you might see it go pick. And if we get some positive injury updates on those Kansas City receivers and starters, you might even see this come back to where it kind of started, which was Kansas City minus one, minus one and a half. So Casey betters get the plus points right now. Eagles betters, you might be able to get plus points later on. So Jason, I might have taken a few L's on Sunday and might have panicked bet the Eagles at plus one. Am I foolish at plus one or should I reconsider my gambling career because it hasn't gone so well of late and now I'm really nervous? <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a fine number. Like I said, it's probably going to close there anyway. So right now, in terms of the market move, you've got a great number because we're seeing Philly minus one right now as well as minus, uh, minus one, minus one and a half right now. So, I mean, getting them with, uh, with the one point is, is pretty solid. You do, like, you do kind of want to get the half point hook on the other side of that one. So, I mean, if you can get Philly plus one and a half at some point, uh, should it go back there, uh, then that would be great. But I don't know. I think, I think we're going to see Casey minus one, pick them. That's where this one, I believe, is going to close, especially, if we, like I said, if we get some uh, positive updates on those Kansas City injuries. The uh, bet now, bet later. Uh, probably the, the bet later is whilst on tilt and maybe after a couple of drinks. That would be my assumption anyway. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a few of those sites now that say, are you fit to play? Um, uh, and that's uh, that, that's for good reason. Chatting with Jason Logan from Covers.com on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. Um, it, it sounds like there, there's been a, a couple of picks that you've already clicked on this one. Well, what are a couple of the, the favorite plays for, for Jason Logan going into the Super Bowl here? All right. Well, I, I did take, I took the under 50 on Sunday night. Um, while we do have Mahomes and Hertz, um, two great quarterbacks, two very capable offenses, which, which ranked out, you know, top three, top four, and all those advanced metrics. I think the defense for both teams is kind of undershadowed and how disruptive they are, especially with their work up front, the front four. Um, I see a lot of shorter to intermediate throws. Neither team, neither secondary likes to give up the big play. Uh, they can get to the quarterback, so I think we'll see a little bit of hurried passing and shorter passing and a lot of runs for both teams, too, as they try to take pressure off the quarterbacks, especially you know with Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts being able to run the football. And that's another place where I've put uh, a couple early bets as well, too. I took Hurts over 9.5 rushing attempts, which is nuts. Most places are 10.5 right now, but you can find 9.5 out there at minus 110, which is fantastic. Um, you know, We saw him have some called plays in his number called on run plays against the Niners. And then also too, he found some running plays um, 
kind of have running away from pressure against that pass rush of the 49ers is going to face another really good pass rush in Kansas City. And then, of course, you got those Philadelphia trademark QB sneaks. So he's always uh, that guy when they need those uh, third and inches, fourth and inches calls. And all those things stack up as, in terms of rushing attempts. And then I took his over on rushing there. It's 48 and a half, too. I, um, Kansas City hasn't really faced a, a, a zone read offense like this in a long, long time. you got to go back to week two of last season when they played Baltimore, which runs kind of a similar attack. And they gave up 107 yards to Lamar Jackson and two touchdowns. I think he ran the ball 16 times. I don't think Hurts is going to be that active in the running game as Lamar Jackson is. But it definitely shows them that uh, what a dual threat quarterback can do. And if you look at Kansas City's like last two years, they have not faced many dual threat quarterbacks or guys who can kind of break out of pocket. True, true dual threat quarterbacks. You know, Joe Burrow can move when he has to, but uh, he's not Jalen Hurts by any means. So I was high on Hurts rushing carries uh, and rushing yards over. I don't know if this counts as a pun, but how much does Hurts? complicate the rushing betting of what you might want to do with Miles Sanders. And I say that as a guy that had Miles Sanders in fantasy this year, and it didn't go so well at times. <laughs> Went great when he was on my bench, not so much when he was in my lineup. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing with Miles Sanders. He's definitely capable when he gets the carries, uh, but uh, sometimes he just doesn't get the carries. Yeah, when you have a, when you have a, uh, a running quarterback like Jalen Hurts, he's going to take carries away. And then also, too, like, Gainwell and Boston Scott, we've seen those guys work into the playbook and get, mm-hmm. get quite a few snaps and quite a few carries. So it, it very much tempers it. And I think Philadelphia is somewhat of a team where they don't really care who's carrying the ball. It's just who kind of has the hot hand or who's ever breaking those extra tackles and picking up the extra yards. And those are the guys that they're going to go with. But uh, Sanders looks fantastic against San Francisco. Again, it's a really good rushing defense. Kansas City, nowhere near as good a run-stop defense as San Francisco. So I think there's an opportunity for Philly to pick up some yards on the ground. The only thing is that if they can't slow down the home and that, uh, and that Kansas city attack, and they have to play from behind, which is a situation that they have not been in in a long time, you know, does that force them to abandon the run and, uh, and take away probably their biggest strength against this Kansas city defense. We've had uh, a number of these, um, like the, the Super Bowl is always uh, a bit of a break. You, you've been in this industry a long time. How, how do you handle these couple of weeks now? Is it taking full advantage of the extra time to, to prepare? Are you worried about paralysis by analysis? Or are you like film study right to the, the final moment? Let's see which offensive lineman might get that random touchdown pass in the end zone. Like where, where are you in terms of handling a bit of extra prep time for just one game in particular? You know, it's this this week that's that's busiest, and especially with the prop markets nowadays. Like the prop markets used to be kind of fun additional markets that you would play, and now the the prop markets are shark infested water. It's it's sharp betters don't want to touch the total of the spread that they know because that's going to be the tightest, toughest line to beat all season. But the prop markets are are really really volatile, and when those start hitting the board, and we're seeing some of them. Um, hitting the board today, which is nuts. This is the earliest that I've seen Super Bowl props ever. Usually you got to wait until like the Thursday. Um, and then they kind of expand over the weekend. But, you know, there's plenty of prop markets available right now. And um, those are the ones that you're going to want to jump on because they won't necessarily increase those. You know, um, a guy like Noah Gray might have an over receptions total at one and a half, right? They're not going to they're not going to bump him up to two and a half if a ton of over money comes on. But what they're going to do is just launch the vig on that from a minus one ten or minus one twenty to like a minus one forty or minus one fifty, and so you 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 end up paying a lot more in terms of juice uh, for getting uh, on the right side of a bet. 
Um, and when you start adding all those high big bets up, they, you know, overall they, you're going to be losing money if you, if you're not getting on the right side of that number. So I would say prop markets are something that we definitely want to jump on this week. If you're betting props, um, you know, an hour before kickoff, you're definitely betting into the worst of the number. And that's not to say that there aren't, um, not to say that there aren't opportunities late towards the uh, closer to kickoff, but usually it's in those like bigger markets where like everyone's betting on the big long shot bets. Like, will there be a safety or will there be a defensive score? And they'll be betting yes on those high payout props because the Super Bowl is the most public kind of bet game in the, in the history of sports here. It's everyone and their dog is going to have a bet on this game and they want to hit the big one. And so sometimes you can get the no on those props, which don't pay a whole lot. You've got to kind of invest quite a bit to, to get a good return on them. But the market is so skewed because everyone's been wanting to bet those long shot props that you can get uh, a better price closer to kickoff on something that has a very high probability, like no on defensive touchdown or no on safety. Just taking a look at the kind of bigger picture with the NFL this year, it, it felt like a very, um, I, I guess, tumultuous market just all season long. You had about three or four pretty good teams. You had about three or four really bad teams. And then everyone else kind of just felt the same um, with so much kind of, I guess, parody in the NFL is probably the nice way of putting it. Did, did that affect how you handled this season and then how you handled things going into the playoffs? Not necessarily. I mean, I'm still, uh, to say cliche, but I'm very much one game at a time. Um, you know, I can look at kind of what they did last week and what they've done the last three weeks. But really, I'm not, I'm not treating kind of overall league trends in my single game handicap, unless there's something like glaring, like unless they changed a rule or something like that. Right. Uh, you know, it's something that kind of odds makers couldn't catch up to in the first couple of weeks of the season. And now we're seeing, you know, uh, opportunity there, but no, for me, it's, it's just kind of looking at, um, looking at odds, looking at recent form, kind of my projections for a team. And, uh, and then, you know, then you factor in all the other accoutrement that comes with it, weather and injuries and, and, uh, and game plan and stuff like that. So uh, no, no, it's a, like Super Bowl. It's a, it is the big game. But uh, my approach to handicapping Super Bowl is very much the same as it would be to handicapping a week one game. How do you go about handicapping Chris Stapleton doing the anthem? And should we be smashing the under on it based on history? Uh, no, I mean, these, this is something that I, I said and I, I do a podcast uh, twice a week, the Sharp 600. It's one thing I talked about was with when it comes to silly props, they're fun. But uh, don't get too serious with them. Don't go too heavy on them. Generally, with the national anthem, um, there there has been leaks the last few years, so people Ooh. know what the anthem times are. So if you don't pick up on it, you know, via social, keep a keep an eye on the on the anthem times, and if you see them start to move drastically, um, all of a sudden, then maybe someone knows something, and you want to get on the right side of that move, and you want to kind of steam chase on on the anthem props, but things like, you know, what's, what's Rihanna's first song going to be? I'll tell you, you're going to see about eight different set lists be released for the Super Bowl halftime show. And they're all fake. Um, those sort of props where you can't cap or can't quantify, quantitate them or, or, you know, it's just complete randomness. Try to have fun with it. You know, I, one of my favorite Super Bowl bets ever uh, is I took Justin Timberlake to cover a Prince song when they were the Super Bowl was in Minneapolis a few years back, Ooh. and it was plus 130 or plus 140 at the time when it released. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, they're in Minneapolis. Prince died like two years ago. Justin Timberlake's a huge Prince fan. Why wouldn't he do one? And I'm a massive Prince fan, so it all worked out. 
But there's no way that it's not umbrella, right? Or would that be the closer <laughs> and they somehow some rain falls from the top <laughs> and it's got to be. That's what I was that's what I was kind of thinking was like, "Oh yeah, this could be all right." Um I'll I'll start to look at those markets uh after mm-hmm. after I get the real work done on the other side. But I will Fair say enough. Um, every year for Gatorade bath, I do make a bet on clear slash water because um, no matter what kind of Gatorade they have there, they're always going to have water on the sideline, right? There's always going to be a, a cooler for the guys that don't want Gatorade, and yeah. there's always going to be water. So um, that's at least you know that's there. So that's one of the bets that I always make is, is water for the Gatorade bath. Has, has that hit? Has that cashed ever? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have the, we have the stats up on covers. <laughs> We've actually got into it quite a bit um but yeah yeah we have seen we have seen water water has bubbled up a few times uh i know the last few years it has been like gatorade kind of associated with the team color um so you know red will definitely be in play green is definitely going to be in play because of the eagles and the chiefs but uh but yeah we've seen clear slash water hit a few times and like i said it's you know it's there you know it could be any other flavor gatorade but you know water is going to be there I, I hope we get like we we've had like you said people with the the the, the spoilers from the, the the anthems with like stopwatches outside. We need someone scouting the the Gatorade supplement going in. Like how many how many red jugs did they have going in there? We need those there scouts are, now. There are guys that there are guys that will get that information ahead of time. Trust <laughs> me, they will. They're, no, there are there there are guys that will have that information ahead of time. Right now, water is plus five hundred, orange is oh. plus three fifty, red is plus four fifty, which is pretty good uh yellow slash green so they do the yellow which is like the lime or the sorry the like the lemon one Mm -hmm. is there a green there's like a gross green one right oh yeah yeah Yeah. it's yeah there's a green gatorade for sure right all right so i I think so i've got i've got the numbers in front of me here so looking at uh let's see how far back does this go another time it's been used i don't have the exact date in front of me but clear Clear slash water has been like the tied for the second most popular color. Orange has been the most popular color, and then blue uh, tied with clear as most as the most popular color in recent years. I'll I'll take second most popular plus five hundred. I I feel very comfortable. I mean, they're giving money there. away at this point. It's always there. <laughs> Look at that in depth scouting analysis that uh, you can there. only I've find. Far too much. I've spent far too much time handicapping silly stuff for Super Bowl over the years and. <laughs> And uh, it, it's those it's those times where I stop and I go, okay, this is my job. This is this isn't that bad. So, uh, Jason, this was a blast, man. Thank you so much for doing this again. Covers dot com. Um, will pardon the pun. We'll certainly have you covered for uh, uh, all your Super Bowl coverage. Jason, thank you for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. There he is, Jason Logan from Covers dot com. I have had him on talking uh, gambling about the, uh, the the Super Bowl for uh, a number of years now. Always. Always in depth, and yeah, he—it's not just the oh yeah, Kadarius Tony, eighteen and a half rushing or receiving yards goes deep. I'd be a fool not to move all my money on the Eagles yeah. and put it on clear Gatorade slash water, right? 100%. Yeah, no, totally. Like yeah, that's just... that's what he said, and and we can roll the tape back, and then I can just <laughs> ask him to reimburse me if I happen to be wrong. That's how it works. Uh, well, yeah, no, that's traditionally just how all sports gambling things work. You either get, you either win or you get your money back, right? Like that's never, no one's ever had a problem with that before. And it's got to be umbrella, right? It can't be diamonds, could it? <sighs> I don't know. Are you down with your your Rihanna? Or are no, you... not even like I, I I'm aware of her existence, okay. but um, to to say I have a deep understanding of the catalog. Um, I, I know umbrella with the like Ella Ella A like that. That's yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, sorry. What was that again? Just yeah, no, just just you, throw you it back. Me. Um, 
think I got a new ringtone. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. This is the Sports Drive at 5 brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Unlock your home with the touch of your phone. Upgrade to smart locks online at calgarylockandsafe.com. I, it has been hilarious to see how the prop market has grown on the Super Bowl over the years. Like, I remember you would have to do so much Googling to find one spot where you could get, like, the coin toss and the the Gatorade things. And that would have to be like the Saturday afternoon before the, the Super Bowl. And now, like we're talking about these on, what is it, the, the Tuesday leading up to like the Pro Bowl. It, it's crazy how this market has just so vastly changed over the last couple of years. Well, I just think the last year where some of the prop bets were... Because it was the conglomerate. It was Snoop Dogg, Dre, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige. And it was... First performing artist to be shown, yeah. color of Eminem's hair, of course, first song to be played. <laughs> what will be higher? Cooper <laughs> Cup's total receptions or no? Sorry, Snoop, we're not going there. We're not no. going there. And then but no, there, there was like, will there need to be censors? Like how, how many f bombs were there? Be it's it, it's so crazy. Um, just quickly because we are right up against it. There was a bit of NFL news today. The Denver Broncos. Um, essentially trading a first-round pick and a second-round yes. pick to the New Orleans Saints for Sean Payton, who doesn't coach there anymore, and a third-round pick. We don't need to get into the the deep intricacies of whether this will save the uh, flailing career of Russell Wilson. I can't imagine trading a first-round pick for any coach. I, I just I can't wrap my head around this concept. But at the same time, they've got a massive impact on play calling. They have the massive impact on how a team's going to strategize and go about their business. And if you're Denver, do they have a massive impact on Russell Wilson declining in age by ten years? Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to try something, right? <laughs> right. You've, you've invested how much money into this quarterback? Yeah. You need to find whatever you can to make him go back to even a quarter of what he was. Otherwise, it's just going to be a lot of money spent and not a lot of return. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a lot of return so far, but that was one of the most wild stories that we saw today is Sean Payton on his way to the Denver Broncos. Uh, and I believe D'Amico Ryans is the one who is going to the Houston Texans as their coach. So that is going to do it for uh, Sportsnet today. This was once again, a whole lot of fun, sir. Thank you very much. Let's do it again tomorrow. Let's do it again tomorrow. We are going to have some goalie talk around the Calgary Flames. We're going to be talking prospects. Uh, We're going to be looking into the Wayback Machine, talking about a Calgary Flames legend. And also, uh, there's a pretty impactful prospect who is coming to, to Calgary who is going to drop at least a bit of conversation tomorrow. So should be a fun show tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. I have no reason not to. I think it's going to be a banger. All right. So thank you all so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you tomorrow. This is Sportsnet 960, The Fan.